you so much for listening to episode 24 of the Arizona Movie Club. My name's Tyler. I'm your host, as I always will be. And joining me is my lovely co-host, as he always will be, Andy. What's going on, Andy? Hi there. And on this week's episode of the Arizona Movie Club, where two unqualified men talk about movies, probably, you know, like we, we don't have any right criticizing any of this. Fairly talented people make these films. But I'm going to try my damnedest to burn this film to the ground because <laughs> we're talking about The Fountain. Q-mania, and it is the summer of sizzle. Every week going forward, we're going to be reviewing at least one blockbuster film of somewhat importance to the zeitgeist the past 20 years or so. It's really not as cool as I made it sound just now. This one is not a summer blockbuster. Yeah, so... I wanted to watch Logan, and I said, I know a good Hugh Jackman movie that I really like, too. So we went with Humania, ladies and gentlemen. Humania. But we can justify that. It's our in-universe explanation. You know, when you see a summer film slate, it's not all it's not all A pluses. It's not all your your Avengers and your Wallies. Speaking of Wally, we're doing Wally and Embrace of the Serpent, which is the counter programming that they always say is gonna work, and then the box office is like two hundred thousand dollars in a thousand theaters. And so no it makes ever sees it. it makes two hundred bucks a theater. And then you wonder why did I spend seven dollars on popcorn for that? <laughs> but and that's what we're watching next week. Embrace of the Serpent, available on Hulu, and Wally, available on Disney Plus, or maybe you own it because you have a child. Who knows? I don't know how many parents watch this show. I feel like they think we're way too critical because their kids are just sitting there watching Paw Patrol all day. So they're like, why are you complaining about anything that's not fucking Paw Patrol? <laughs> we gave Onward a high score, though. You gave it a higher score than I did. What was yours? You were in the eights, right? I was in the eights. Yeah, you okay. hit the nine. I think yeah, it was a nine or nine two. I did get Paranorman a ten. Yes, you did. It's one of my two tens. If you didn't listen to the Logan podcast, you probably didn't know. That's a ten. Go listen to that. Go listen to me just jizz all over a microphone about why Hugh Jackman is phenomenal in that movie, but not great in the fountain to me at least this week's movie. But before we start deep diving on that, if you have any comments, concerns, any suggestions going forward. For it doesn't have to be movies if you don't like the structure of certain parts. You think Andy doesn't talk enough? Of course, I will pin Andy down and say, "Talk, motherfucker." <laughs> well, I'll just make him talk more. But whatever you have, we have an email at azmovieclub at gmail .com. Once more, that is azmovieclub at gmail .com. And we have a Twitter. I believe our ad is Arizona Movie Club. I don't check it that often because none of you people ever, ever tweet us. Please tweet us. We did get retweeted by our first ever film, Extraordinary. Yeah, we have to put a friend for that. Film, but not, we can't get a But not any of our damn fans. <laughs> Come on, guy in New York, you're cool. You've listened to like five of our episodes. There was a guy in Portugal at one point. Yeah, I forgot to tell you, we got we have five listens in New York, New York, and we have one from the Bronx. Oh, nice. Andy's favorite place in the world. <laughs> no, those are the old people I burned there. They're trying to track me down. <laughs> <laughs> so the address we record at, no. <laughs> So, that is moving forward. Also, mark it down on your calendars on June 15th. That's five days after it premieres. We're going to be talking about Palm Springs starring Andy Samberg. From the, I think it was actually like made as a Lonely Island film. And Kristen Malati, the mother from How I Met Your Mother. Actually, a really good actress. I like her and everything she's in. Yeah, I recognize her, but I never watched that Palm show. Springs, the most expensive film. The, most, the highest. I, I, how do you even phrase that? It was purchased for more than any film ever at Sundance. If you haven't seen the trailer, go watch it. It's Groundhog Day, but like, actually has Way good. Better, yeah. I read a review for it when it first came out. Before I'd ever, all I'd seen the screenshots in a review, and I was like, "This film sounds cool. I'm into it. Can't wait for it to come out on Hulu." Lo and behold, in my YouTube recommendations, 
it pops up. I don't know why I don't get more film trailers either. I watch like every single one YouTube recommends. And instead they're like, hey, how's this video you're never going to want to watch sound instead? <laughs> but that's, that's July 15th. The movie comes out July 10th. I'll make sure to put a spoiler warning for that. Or, no, I can't edit a whole episode out, but... You know, I had to edit Last of Us spoilers out of the last episode. <laughs> yeah, hopefully we'll, we won't do that again. This we, spoiler alert for The Fountain. Maybe I should start saying spoiler alert before we talk about every movie. I just assume most of them are so old that it doesn't matter. Yeah. But then maybe people will get really mad at us. Spoiler alert for The Fountain. We're going to start talking about it now because Tyler blanked. It doesn't have a better transition. Andy, do you want to do plot beats or would you like me to recount so it's a non-linear story, so that yes. makes it a little bit of a pain in the ass. Way all over the place, but it's essentially three uh, timelines of a love story between Hugh Jackman and Rachel Weisz that's partially real, partially written, and partially in the future, and may not even be real, and maybe a figment of his imagination. Who, who knows on the third one? When I read up afterwards, it's like most fans believe, and I, I, I Warnowski hasn't like said it yeah. out loud. But I assume, at least from what I read, I assume that, yeah, like, the Tree of Life shit in the future is just not happening at all. Oh, okay. It, it's it, his inner mind, basically. I, that's one of my, like, three possible endings, and I can't hammer it down, and I don't want to. I love all three of them. The, the fans basically have that as, like, a canon ending, but, like, Ornowski hasn't said I, I haven't read anything about this one. I just, I just like talking about it. <laughs> Who are you talking about this with? Uh, well, it came out in 06, so I was 16. I was going to the movies. I saw it in the theater. I remember that. Oh, you saw this bad boy in theaters? Yeah. And uh, I mean, not that I was a real romantic person at 16, <laughs> but this, like, I like this more than most romance movies or whatever. Like, if I think of a love story in a good movie, like, this is one of the few yeah. I like that comes to mind kind of a thing. Uh, and in the moment I saw it, I wanted to. I bought the DVD. Wanted to show it to all my friends. Mostly just because I wanted to talk about the ending. I wanted to get news perspectives from other people. Like, what do you think happened? And and I did I, you I, not know the internet existed? <laughs> I guess not. Maybe in 06, What was I doing? I, I don't know. know. <laughs> Playing football. You, you played football in high school. Yeah. Football, yeah. I was very tired. I was very fatigued most of the time. Yeah. I so I part of me does wonder um, how many romantic, for lack of a better word, I mean just drama movies focused around relationships between uh, two people, whether it's man and woman, man and man, whatever. How many of those type of films just, like, have you watched wholesale? Is it over or under the amount of Nick Cage movies you watched? It's definitely under 37. Okay, is it over or under 10? It's probably right about 10. Yeah, if, if I had to... Is there, like, not about anything else, really, other than the relationship and the goings-on of the relationship... Like like movies like Lars and the Real Girl, I'll kind of like chalk that up into there, right? That movie's not supposed to be very good, but yeah. Oh, I thought it was great. But it, it's kind of like a mid. It's got kind of a score similar to this, I think, uh, on Rotten Tomatoes. But yeah, like or those, even, are, those are the kind of romances that I have seen. Have you seen Blue Valentine? No. Wait, that's that's also Gosling. Okay? Yeah, Michelle Williams. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have seen that. That yeah. one, I remember just made me real sad. That movie's <laughs> good. a lot of sad yelling. I remember that, but I probably like it more on a rewatch. I, I seem to be more into sad yelling these days. <laughs> I just, I mean, I, I watched Marriage Story, and for better, recently, for better or worse, you know, Noah Baumbach writes from a really privileged uh, point of view. So in some instances, you're like. Give me, give me a break. Neither of you guys have faced hardship your entire life. Yeah, Why, give me a real story. Where are the stakes? But it's also the acting and the reasons to care are still more clearly on display than, to me, something like this. To me, this is like Oronofsky doesn't really know or care about like love or how 
those dynamics in what a real conversation between two people in love sounds like, because this is bad. Just like, like the writing is so, I understood the message once I reread it and I was like, okay, I get that. It's not in a, like, I'm not offended this, that this movie was made, but like what? It just seems weird that Oronofsky would go through all this work, all this CGI, all this budget to just tell what seems like a very simplistic overall message and the actual contents that's stuffing inside that message, like everything that gets us there isn't very good. Like there's not a lot of quality craftsman like filmmaking, which Oronofsky had in spades in Requiem for a Dream. Going from that to this, when I read that, was the most jarring thing ever. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't necessarily feel like an like an Aronofsky movie, just like the the way that it's cut and everything like that. And and to your point about the love story, I'll agree that it doesn't necessarily like bring anything new to the love movie genre. Like I can't imagine it's it's reinventing anything as far as that goes. But I don't think that, that even though it is it is a romance movie, that it needed to balance on that that much. Like it's about the you know the three different timelines of it and and I think kind of like that's the meat and potatoes of the story of even a romance movie it's less less of but I I mean and she's like dying so what? you're not really seeing like a coming of age anything it's it's very just you're in the day in the life almost of yeah but it's I would argue that the nonlinearness takes away any day in the life because you're you're constantly jumping yeah that's fair yeah and with quick question what of the three timelines like, engrossed you the most? Which one did you, like, actually find yourself caring about? Because I'm just trying to come from a perspective of, I didn't care at all. This movie started in really, it starts off the top with the galaxy brain stuff. Well, mm -hmm. so it starts with the Conquistador, which I, I mentioned in my notes. Yeah. The choreography is, like, the acting choreography is, like, non-defendable. It's, it's really just like, ha! And then he's just like, uh, and really basic thrust. Yeah. He does do his credit, like, cut away from it sometimes, but then also he cuts, like, we get obvious shots where it's very on display that you don't know how action flows or works. Yeah, he's definitely not at all. Director. So why include, it seemed a little weird. Well, you have to have some fighting, but to get around that, you're right, it would be bad if it was, like, long, drawn-out scenes or, like, a like a scene like an they, old boy where it's, like, They're a, a little fight. shorter, so I'll they're give They're short, and they're cuts away of, like, you know, two of his guys don't even fight. They hightail it, and they get, like, speared in the back. Like, you know, trying to run away. So, like, okay, those two guys are done. You're not even having, having to film multiple people in one shot. You can keep the camera on Hugh Jackman. He, you know, hack and slashes, like, two guys down, and they just kind of outnumber him and carry him away. So it wasn't the greatest fight scene ever, but, I mean, you're talking 12 it, seconds maybe, yeah. I mean, I, if I did a super cut of all of them, I, I think there's at least, like, two minutes worth of fights in this film. Yeah, so it goes from that to a very galaxy brained like, whoa, dude, what are we watching? <laughs> and to me, that's what this, in a bubble, yeah. this movie screams is Aaron or Darren Oronofsky being like, I'm too cool to do just a love movie, so what if it's like this and that? And then his yes man was just like, Requiem was great. <laughs> Darren, <laughs> you do whatever you want, but <laughs> How about I put this in the new one? Requiem was great, Darren. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, hey, Darren, um, I noticed there weren't any uh, Requiem-like shots in this film. That's kind of what you're known for, but can we, can we get to, he's like, yeah, sure. He's going to press this button really quick out of nowhere. Yeah, there may not have been any of those cool cuts, but he did have, like, different shots that looked like the camera was, like, a security camera, like, in the corner, like, up elevated in, like, the corner of the room. I just I thought was kind of interesting. Like you're seeing everyone in the entire room, like in frame, having a full conversation, like no close-ups on anyone. 
I didn't think they were very good, but that's also it was interesting. Yeah, the context just didn't. I needed to know more about the situation to care. And when you're going in the corner, it just feels like now we're even more distant. In a movie where it doesn't feel like we're really close to anything, in all of the close-ups are just like it's just Hugh Jackman whispering things on someone's neck. Yeah, and we're just like, okay, all right, whispering to a I see what you did there, Darren. That's surely a shot. And so, so much yellow. Oh, so, but that, so that's the conquistador one. And then in the modern time, Hugh Jackman is a brain surgeon working on the cure for brain cancer, and his wife happens to be dying of brain cancer. So he's kind of torn. He, like, like I guess if there's any relationship romance trope, I, I, I don't know. Maybe if, maybe I'm using that wrong. Of this movie, it's like the decision he has to have between working against time to find a cure so that he can have more time with his wife and ideally cure her, or, hey, get out of the office and go spend your time with your dying wife, you know, and that kind of back and forth. Yeah, which, so I mean, that's that's the core problem. It's like he's doing all these different genres within this film, thinking it's cool. The, the time tree stuff is, like, reminiscent of The Matrix, slash I mentioned that one part of, like, 2001 Space Odyssey, so maybe he's just like, again, it's that galaxy brain, like, interdimensional people think it's motivational shit, which to me is just, like, irritating if there's not, like, actual cool thought behind it. It's just like, what if the galaxy... <laughs> and I'm just like, okay, this is just bad CGI that's gonna look terrible in ten years. See, they're... they're yeah, I'm sorry, no, finish your thought. No, no, you're good. It's, so it's that, it's like Conquistador, Lord of the Rings, but Conquistadors, Google them, and they're the bad guys of history, but his wife is writing a book where he's like, Frodo, but a a hot conquistador. Well, and yes. also, I mean, if, if you're looking at this from the the 2020 historically accurate version, no, you're not rooting for. But the I learned about conquistadors. It's one of the weird, like, good parts of my history class. Is like I actually learned that they were awful people in like seventh grade. Or yeah, no, they probably had, more like ninth or tenth. They immediately all got the god complex. Watch uh, Aguirre, the Wrath of God. <laughs> we'll talk about that. <laughs> the conquistador. Oh, is it? It's a Werner Herzog. So. Is it like? I don't know if you'd like it. I was no, so. I knew that sounded familiar. The reason why I know that is because cool. I read a random listicle that was like... It's one of the... Oh, so I was checking IndieWire because I haven't read movie news in forever. Mm-hmm. It was like 10, 10 notorious uh, people that didn't get along on set. And uh, I'm a sucker. Kinski, baby. Yeah. <laughs> and how they He's can, like one of the most maniacal, crazy people ever. And then how it continued to like... They still work together because they just acknowledge like, yeah, we're both really good at this, but I don't like you at all. Like iron sharpens iron type thing. It's like... It's it's one of the weird... Uh, it's fascinating. And it's like a documentary about their work together and just like how everybody in Klaus Kinski's life didn't have a kind word to say about him because he was just like the crazy. Oh yeah. But anyway, it's like, it's like, imagine if we do like 2000 episodes of this podcast and you found out that 50 episodes and Andy hated me because I just bombed all of his movie suggestions, but then we magically started getting a million watches per and we were just like, we're making too much money to not do this. I hate you, but we gotta keep going. <laughs> so that did sound familiar, but so, yeah, so the conquistadors are just, it's not even interesting, really, because it's got this weird, like, a very specific thing about the ring, because yeah, it turns out in hindsight, it's all about their relationship. It's just, it's not a good historical piece other than that one set, which I mentioned, there's a, like, when we cut into that moment, yeah. there's a sweet shot of a camera basically, like, going down a river. Yeah. And I could tell even that probably wasn't on location, because location, who's going to go to a, a castle 
like a real life castle Online. for that. Yeah. It was at least the outside at least was a really well built set. Yeah, yeah, I agreed on that. You know, to, to what you're saying about the uh, like the conquistador, the time frame. Not one bit am I saying, you know, giving any any pass to Hernan Cortez, any of those folks that, that did very terrible things to that entire South American continent. What I'm talking, what I'm talking about though, is she's writing a love story. Yeah. In which she is the Queen Elizabeth of Spain, tasking her so, number one conquistador with going and setting up New Spain so that Spain can exist forever in their love can flourish together. That's why he's there. It's just a love story. So, so here's my point. We, we're supposed to care about this love story, right? We're supposed to care about their relationship, Jackman sure, and Weiss. Sure. And Weiss is being presented is one of those just, it really comes across as like a dumb white person writing, like, oh, this is about love in a time where people are being raped and killed for existing because they want to take our land. And like in a joking way to just like sum it all home, she's basically writing the book. I don't know if you've watched Big Mouth, but all the girls like watch some dumb or read some dumb book that's basically like this historical drama, terrible things are happening, but it's about love. And like, this is something that we, we just dunk on now. We just make fun of that this trope exists. And Oranofsky is like, you should care about this character because she's writing this book. And let me tell you how interesting <laughs> this book is. And it's, no, that's not interesting at all. This is like some dumb, like, or I won't call her dumb, but just some misguided horny woman who's just like, let me tell you, Lord of the Rings meets... It's like she was writing Lord of the Rings fan fiction, erotic fan fiction, I, while her husband's trying to cure monkey cancer. You're, you're going too hard on this. And the monkey's she's writing a book as she's dying for her, her husband to have... For her to be beyond. Like, do you think in the middle of her, like, romantic book that's set in Conquistador times, there's, like, an asterisk? Also, 1.2 million Peruvians were killed during, the, during this time period. Like, it's not about that. Of course, that's a, a horrific period of, of human history, but she's writing a love novel to her husband. Yes, that's what this movie is, and that's what he's doing, but it's not only about that also. That's one of three time periods so, that tell a love story. So, that's right. Yeah, so you brought up the fact that she's like she's trying to get her husband's attention. Like she feels like maybe he doesn't pay enough attention to her. We have that kind of callback scene where he does everything the right way. In right? the modern time, you mean? Yeah, at the end. In the modern time. Yeah, because yeah. he is spending a lot but, of time at the office. Is, it's what, like, is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Okay. You know how you get your significant other to talk and communicate with you? You talk and communicate with them. You don't write a book on your deathbed go, going, finish it and notice how I was upset with you. Peace out, bye. But you're all- That's, I died. I died for, you know, audio listeners who can't see the video. I just, like, close my eyes and lean back in my chair. He peaced out. Okay, agreed. And the knocks that I will put on this movie are the dialogue it, it is primarily between just the two of them like they're really the only ones talking i guess Hugh jackman kind of talks to ellen burston a little bit like the older lady yeah. in the movie but it's that's even pretty minimal like his dialogue is okay it's not great it's not anything you know but hers is very vanilla and like it, it's really it's really basic to like i, I got it. it was really bad on the rewatch where uh She's losing the sensitivity to hot and cold or whatever. Oh, that scene is and so she's just bad. like, you know, I feel different inside. Like, what the fuck does that mean? Like, that that was a spot for such a, a weightier, heavier word right there. And but yeah. Also to call back to that scene, this is so people we know nothing about the relationship. There's been nothing said really other than like just the few shots we've gotten. And she is sitting outside on their roof. And this was, like, weird because they couldn't go wider on the shot. It was so obviously, like, a small set was built to be the outside of the house. Which, again, just 
go on set somewhere it snows, which is like all over the world, and just sit on a like the outside. Plenty of houses are built like that in snow. It just seemed like everyone was busy doing something else, and Oranofsky was just trying to call in favors. Like, this is my passion project, and people are just like, sure, dude. To, to that a little bit, I don't know a ton about the, the budget or anything, but I know it was originally supposed to be Brad Pitt and somebody, and Brad. it was going to be way too much money. Like, way, way, way too much money, and this was like almost deemed like an unmakeable movie. Because like it, yeah, there's a lot of CGI, CGI for, but there, there there's maybe some, but he used uh like like petri dishes and like uh like cool chemical reactions and stuff to film like when she's like looking up at Shavalba and stuff like that. So it, it would be at least a little bit timeless, and it doesn't like 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 you're talking about the CGI. I I don't remember any CGI in this movie. I mean like the Mayan temple, sure well, maybe part of that. Well, a lot of green screens. Yeah. Uh yeah, you may be right in that. There's not as like as many like specific creatures being, you know, there's not like weird creatures that are showing up at CGI. Yeah. I was mostly referring to that 2025 time frame where oh, he's yeah. in it. I assume that was CGI. Yeah. Yeah. He's in a bubble flowing through space with his tree friend. <laughs> yeah, we haven't talked anything about that one yet. That's probably the most confusing of the three uh, timelines for sure. It's really jarring. It's a little weird. He's, I, he does a lot of Tai Chi. That was bald. That, like, that was also weird. Well, bald makes sense to me, but, I guess, but I guess, but like, He's not Buddhist. Why does he have to be a monk? Why can't he just be a guy in 2025 at the Tree of Life, like, confused? That definitely didn't make sense. One of, my, one of my notes was just this movie has its head up its ass, and that's, like, kind of how I feel about this specific part. Just this is all supposed to mean something because Ornofsky's like, it's all symbolic. Symbolic of what? This is not <laughs> good. We have no reason. Like, why are we here is more my question, like, Okay. You dragged out these talented set designers to build a cool set. You've got talent. What are you doing here? Like, you got a good performance out of Jared Leto when all we thought was he's terrible at singing. And here we, and a great performance out of which I forget what's Wayne's brother. I'm sorry. That like, was uh, Marlon. I cannot, it's so jarring because Requiem for a Dream is so good at the little things and is telling like this small, bizarre, twisted story. And it like, how he does that, his perspective is insanely good. It's just so weird to see someone so talented to not get it on another project. Just immediately going from like the highlight of his career to, how about I make this space love movie? And it's just, oh, this feels like uh, that movie with Jack Black in the office that they make fun of, you know, where it's like Jack Black and the older lady. This just feels like the space version of that to me. Like, it's so. <laughs> I was like, Oranofsky, what are you yeah, doing, he needed, man? Like, yeah, no, he, needed, he needed more money, just needed a longer runtime, and I think he needed himself an explanation for what Hugh Jackman was doing in that bubble. I don't, I don't think we're ever going to get his answer for that. So, I, you've never seen Arrival, right? The Amy Adams mm -hmm. one? No, I never saw that. You like nonlinear storytelling, right? Yeah, yeah. Go watch that. Ooh, okay. Anybody that's like, should I listen to The Fountain based off of this podcast, go watch Arrival instead, please. Like, I'm it. It's longer, but it's so much more fulfilling, and it has that, like, it's it's guilty as well of a little bit of the galaxy brain, like, whoa, at the end, but it's it's more worth it, because we've had, like, two hours of build-up and tight, like, what the hell is going on, but it's yeah. a good mystery. I mean, it's a different genre, okay. but in a weird way, like, it is about the specific relationship, like, she has with her daughter, I believe, it's been a while. It's, like, definitely human interactions and how, like, what defines us and makes us human, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's got a great message as well. But it's just a better film. Okay. But that's also because Dennis Villeneuve is the man. I can't wait for Dune. Oh my god. Did you know that's got Bardem in it? Oh, good. It's got idea. Bardem and Brolin. 
Shamalay, and it's got like two other good this actors. Dune? Yeah, They're remaking it. Uh, or like, yeah, this is they're faithfully adapting for the most part like a two-parter, but this one is supposed to stand on its own. And it's okay. Shamalay. Who's the second big actor? Oh, Oscar Isaac. It's Shamalay, Oscar God. Isaac, Brolin Bardem, and I apologize to the female actress. She's supposed to be good. I've just the name wasn't one of those ones that, that like I instantly I know. All we've got in the screenshots. I can't wait for that trailer. December, baby! Please don't ruin it, COVID. First Cow's coming out soon, too. We're going to do that. Are they finally doing it digitally? Uh, it's like July. Yeah, late July, I think. Oh, so they're trying to latch on to the tenant release date? I think so. And I think it'll probably be like the uh, home premiere for 20 bucks or whatever. But I, I don't mind. I, really I, I think they're cow. trying to avoid that. They oh, were real. A24 has been real adamant about we want to release in theaters. Oh, okay. So maybe they're planning on dropping it in theaters along with Tenet. I kind of think it's just hitting free to rent. Or like, uh, I mean, I'd be fine with that. Yeah. I'm going to watch it. Hopefully they showed it like the drive-in. That'd be tight. I can yeah. see it that way. Just like I'll be seeing Tenet. Can't wait for that. And Christopher Nolan, like I mean, to bring up nonlinear storytelling, like Christopher Nolan does it. I have no problem with nonlinear storytelling. Yeah. And like I'm fine if I've got to learn things about the film. I like can Google that afterwards. But it still didn't make up for all those other complaints. It was just like, oh, yeah, I get, I get the message now. Yeah. You know, like, that makes sense. It's, it's true. It's just like you have to learn to move on when people die and, yeah. and love them. Yeah. Appreciate the time you had. Yeah, that, that one. That, love that ending. I love I love just the uh, – no, no, I'll say that. I don't want to get ahead of it. Uh, Hector Salamanca from Breaking Bad yeah, is, is the uh, priest that helps Hugh Jackman get there, and he like finds the dagger and puts it in the little dagger. Oh my! Holster. Yeah, that, that's Hector Salamanca from, from Breaking Bad. Yeah, he's a little guy with the little bell in his chair. What a glow up, though, from going from this that you got. He's getting them royalties from Breaking Bad. <laughs> God, I'm like, Good for him. Is that a, is that a glow up? I, I think anytime your life vastly improves, that's a glow up to me. Would you Would you agree, Romeo? Yes. That's the producer it. says yes. Two, two to one, we're confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> majority, majority. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, I don't really have a ton as far as like plot beats. Oh, um, we didn't mention because we, we mentioned Hector oh, Salamanca. Right. Let's bring up. Yeah, also props to my guy from Break. Uh, my name is Earl. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I was a kid and I watched way too much. My name is Earl. So I brought enjoyment, and I'm glad that he's doing well. Apparently, he's ripped now. Yeah, we, and he's in this film. That's a, also, no, he's not ripped in this one. Oh no, no. Also. <laughs> also, he's uh, he's got like some of the most boilerplate dialogue. Like, Doctor, you know, yeah, he's yeah. straight from an ER episode. He was just like sitting there, you know, probably on vacation. They're not filming. My name is Earl because it was probably going or it just ended. And he's just sitting there at his home. He's probably got a decent home. He's getting decent money. This was a sitcom when sitcoms mattered. And then his agent calls. Darren Oronofsky wants you to do. And he's like, I'm in. Wait, have you seen Requiem for a Dream? I'm in. And he's like, Listen, man, I don't know. I'm in. And then he got on set and he told his agent, why didn't you warn me? <laughs> you have more notes there. I like I went through all my notes. I'm not going to read them. I don't want to be too mean. I mean, I've been pretty mean on this pod, but I don't want to be too mean to read them directly. No, I mean, it, it's like, I, I don't have to, yeah, it's, as far as the plot goes, not not a ton of uh, uh, things here and there. Like like we've talked a million times, uh, uh, I like feelings. I go on feelings a lot, and this one just hits me in the right spot. I don't think I answered your question of like which oh, of the yeah. timelines do I like the most. That was my bad. I got off on a tangent. I am, uh, as I do again. I would I just have to put the put the asterisk on there to make sure. Don't condone any any work from the conquistadors. 
But I am fascinated with the... I'm fascinated with anything history. You like much. period pieces? I knew I, this I, answer was coming. I love period pieces, but it was a tight... It was a close one, because I like space. So the, so yeah. the floaty bubble was... Floaty bubble Tai Chi was, was a close second. But with this man, Rival's going to be in your wheelhouse. The reason... It made very well, maybe. The reason I like... Uh, uh, the Kikishitor one especially also is I, I love man against nature. You know, the stakes are so high. Like, you do anything wrong, you're just dead. There's no one to help. There's, there's nothing there. It, like, especially, like, the idea of going there on knowingly, like, a suicide mission, and you're you're essentially... It's just a question of, like, how long will your loyalty and integrity hold out? <laughs> like, before madness sets in, and you just, you, like, start picking apart your group and you go crazy. That's, that's what Aguirre's about. What's I'm it? sorry, I just have to interject because and the reason I'm laughing is because Andy will give me a hard time sometimes by filling in the blanks and going, yeah, I assume this is what the director meant. And we get some of the most vague, bland shots of, of like this time period, but you with your knowledge of history is like, this is the intent, this I'm is the death. And sure. I'm telling you, like, guys, watch the scene. You're just like, okay. <laughs> I mean, why else would you go from having a lot of guys to then not? I mean, the budgetary reasons, sure, you can't show all those guys one by one getting picked off, but presumably, if not the natives, or sickness, or disease, or mutiny, hunger, but those yeah. things wear down. Wiring in, and again, wiring in the book, and what the book's, like, direction is, is just, it It makes the dumb choices seem like the dumb choices of a director instead of the dumb choices of a writer, mm. or, because he basically gets owned, his men get owned. And then they just like pass him along to try and kill their their leader, their guardian of the tree of life. The book makes no sense. The book this lady is writing, I cannot just like reiterate how stupid the book is. I mean, how do you figure it doesn't make sense though? Like they, they carry him over? Cause yeah, because yeah, they straight up carry him over and go, yeah, one v one our fearless leader, bro. Like, they You're respect talking about his how you mission. like those those moments from history, like those guys were worshipped as gods. Like they, like he even said, like calls him like first father. And like, and in the book, it, I think she writes and takes some liberties with the Mayan religion or anything. I don't think it necessarily worshipped a white guy coming in with silver armor, but but in her book, it kind of does. And because that's clearly what happens, they pick him up, carry him over, and then like the high priest chieftain oh. even says, you know, forgive me, first father, and offers his neck up to be slashed. Why is so, if that's the case, why did they not do that to all of his men? They were all wearing armor. They very well may have. Well, yeah. they did. We saw them kill him. I don't. Maybe they only need one guy. Maybe like, you, you see that's clearly clearly the leader. I mean, I, I guess. But like, do you see the? I mean, it's I, just, I see why you're saying it's unanswered. But I guess my counter is there has to be some kind of answer. Fill in those blanks, and this is just how I filled in those blanks. I don't ever let anything just go like, well, why? Eh, and then forget about it. Like well, I'll try and. But we have to take the movie. It's, it's like one of my biggest complaints about video games is where they don't give us an answer and they go, "Go search it on some website. Go yeah. find it from the internet." You can't fucking do that with a movie either. Yeah. You've got to present, even if it's subtle. And like, there's like you said about runtime. Maybe this is supposed to be a two and a half hour epic where we get more contextual clues. But this is so jarring. Like you can't have that. And then also have your time, your time-space galaxy brain movie, and your procedural ER drama that's actually a love story mixed in with this, and then have it be non-linear and go, well, you just don't get it. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's even if I get what he's going for at the end of the day, and I just think it's all super poorly executed, your average viewer, I'm surprised it has a good audience score. 
I think it's just because people are sucker for love stories. But I think the average viewer is like, I, I had no idea. Is part of this, but yeah. But like your average, you're, I'm thinking like from your average cinema goer. Sure. You know, the guy that went uncut gems. What's Adam Sandler movie ever? Yeah. Well, no, I, I hear you, and, and you you are right in saying that I have an affinity for like the historic, and, and I'll add things to my for for for, the, for that purpose. So, but that being said, it's not like I'm I'm adding it to the point where. If you were to ask, like, what's a good historical movie about the conquistadors, I would say, go watch The Fountain. It, it tells yeah, everything no. you need to know. You, you, like, you've got enough like history wrecks that I'm not, like, or history movie wrecks that I'm not questioning I, your valids there. It's I guess just, I just, I like those those uh, uh, tropes a lot. I, I just, I'm, I'm a history now, yeah. What it, reminds me, nature. what it reminds me of a little bit is when, like, when movie go, or movie makers know that people are suckers. Or just these tiny little bits, like jokes <laughs> or like a reference to something that's cooler than what you're putting on display. Like Darren Aronofsky was playing the long game with you. He's like, and he's gonna give it a good review if we just get some historical <laughs> drama stuff in here, guys. Like, put a put a tin hat on him. He's a conquistador now. Just say the word conquistador. They're like in robes from like in somebody's backyard right now, but they're like, we are conquistadors. And Andy's like, did you see that? Yep. Close enough to Cortez for me. <laughs> So, so there, there's that, and then, so we haven't really talked about the ending, like, at all, or, or really, like, the mysticism of him floating around in that bubble, doing Tai Chi, tattooing himself. So, like, you're talking about the, apparently this is what the, the accepted internet one is, is that doesn't exist at all. Um, it's within his mind, yeah. That one, I maybe, is, like, the, like, the... Uh, Ornoski, again, has not commented, so yeah, this is definitive. Or the other. Who knows, maybe that's a secretly guarded secret, or he just doesn't care, and he realizes... Yeah, I think this is like the people who wrote Lost. <laughs> just like, this is... I never expected it to be this good. For I, us to go this far, I didn't have an ending. In my new headcanon, Ornofsky, while he did Requiem, was on more cocaine than he's ever been in his entire <laughs> life. And they were like, you need to mellow out, man. And he just took a bunch of psychedelics and was like, tripped off his ass the whole set and was just like, yeah. <laughs> Righteous. One take, we're good. <laughs> Jackman's like, I didn't even know the camera was rolling. Are you sure we don't need another take? Oh, like, you got, got it, boys. <laughs> so yeah, so he's he's Tai Chi floating. So 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 the ending that that one that we're speaking of, I'm okay with that ending. I have no gripes with it. Uh, just you know that that's his way of just dealing with it. Everything. The one that the the, the two endings that I prefer in in my order of of preference, I I like the idea of the the tree being real. I, I like the idea of. Yeah. Of the tree being real, that tree may even be the tree he plants over his wife's grave at the end, you know, because he plants those seeds oh, yeah. over his grave. So, so that's something. There, I don't have a ton to back up that that's what it would be, other than the fact that he plants a seed and he is in a tree at the end. So, oh, oh go ahead. So, so, other preferred one. so, so I, I guess to still to, to make that sense make sense in that one because he's obviously still alive long after things have gone down. Pursuing that tree bark where he was at and making those those breakthroughs, which you show in the movie several yeah. times, they're making great strides. He says at the end of the movie, "Death is a disease, and I'm going to try to cure it." Like, oh shit, he that is him. That is still the modern Hugh Jackman in thousands and thousands of years. The only thing that has survived World War Three, the apocalypse. Uh, uh, who knows? Maybe even like the Earth collapsing into the sun billions of years from now is. Him and the Tree of Life. Those are the only things that are eternal, still floating. And just the haunting loneliness of just you and the tree for thousands of years. You can't die. 
He's also like delighted to die at the end of the movie. Yeah. I'm going to die. He's like got tears in his eyes. He's so excited. So there, there's the second one, and then there's the third one of and this is wait this is you prefer the other one. No, no, the second, goes, this, this, this is, is my your, favorite one that I'm going to talk about now. So then then there's uh, uh, that he didn't. It wasn't the tree that he planted necessarily. It was just that that tree really does exist still. It was hidden away, even with, you know, in the 2006 modern technology that Mayan temple can't be found. And he just goes back. Again, this is a stretch as well. Every ending you have to really stretch to get for this movie, <laughs> that's fair to say. But it, it, and in, the, in the third one, he goes and actually just goes to Guatemala. I think they say it's Guatemala. And he gets that tree again. He himself really drinks the nectar just like he does in the, the book and links that timeline up because the timelines are also all jumping back and forth and intercutting. You're seeing the uh, bubble version of him bald in the Mayan temple. And, and it's kind of all over the place. I think that would also back that up a little bit is that he is timeless because that's, that's him and he's eternal. But I, yeah, I'll kind of fizzle out with that. Those are, those are my three. You're good. I got a little lost there. I feel like I just smoked a lot of weed and watched YouTube conspiracy <laughs> theory videos. I, I watched this and loved it. At a time, I never smoked weed. I was not a weed smoker when I loved this movie. We're like, so that's what it's like. <laughs> now, this is what I picture, like, heroin. <laughs> like, weed's whatever. Have you like, seen Requiem for a Dream? Yeah, I guess if you had a heroin movie, it would be Requiem. Yeah. God, that movie's dark. Yeah, that one is. Uh, also weird to go from such a dark movie to an optimistic movie. Every little small thing you could say about the difference between Requiem for a Dream and this, there's no... Human way possible, the same person made these films. You would but never sure think so. Shit. Yeah. Not, not, not even just like the themes and tones, like, but just the actual camera work. It's yeah. stuff. It's a, it's a weird deal. So, like, I also realized by putting this out there on the internet, I have made an enemy in Darren Aronofsky. And to that, I will say, I really like Requiem for a Dream. You don't have to be mad at me. Just admit this movie sucks. <laughs> he also then did. I, I don't know. I think it was immediately after the Fountain. He did the Wrestler with Mickey Rourke. That was a great fucking Darren, movie. I forgot. Darren, what are you doing, man? I never saw Black Swan, but he did Black Swan. The Portman. And That's supposed to be really good. Never saw it. This is like... <laughs> I just, I'll leave it off with it. All right, yeah. That's Romeo being Romeo. Uh, <laughs> no, like, I didn't even realize those were all his films. I I know Oronofsky's, like, an important person. I know he did Requiem. I didn't realize he did this. So, like, reading and filling in that gap history, I realized... How, I really like Requiem, and I really like The Wrestler. Yeah. I do not like this movie. Like, but it's just, it makes no sense. The others, you can see a lot of the tight directing, a, like a pretty good instinct for dialogue. While I yeah. wouldn't say he's like some just masterminded dialogue, it's not overtly bad in any of those films. Uh, in The Wrestler, for example, it's a really good example of just like what we like, or what we've talked about what we like, is regular people just sounding like regular people. Yeah. It's a hard dialogue to nail down, which is, yeah, he wanted this to clearly be operatic and novella-esque. I think I would even, like, maybe argue, maybe that's the only justification he didn't realize how bad it, crazy, it seemed on film. <laughs> the crazy thing about, like, the love dynamic and, and kind of the, the poor love writing that we've talked about is Aaron, Darren Aronofsky was married to Rachel Weiss during this movie. That marriage did not last, I imagine. I don't think it Well, she's married to uh, Mr. James Bond, Daniel Craig now, so 
I guess. I was going to say good for her, but that would seem too mean to Darren. I'm not trying to make an enemy here. I'm not. <laughs> well, I guess. I'm going to you with David Robert Mitchell. You've made an enemy of David. Yeah, that's that's Whereas fine. He's like, I'm best buds with him probably. I mean, he made an enemy. I'd like to plug his brain <laughs> like Robert Mitchell, but but like Lupus, they were talking with Fifth Element and Lupus on being yeah. creepy, dating his people. Then Aaron, Darren Aronofsky made Mother while he was dating Jennifer Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence, yeah. Does he, and that one is more audience panned, but actually the symbolism in that, from what I hear, works. I'd be interested. I'm down to watch it. I, I'll give it a try. I haven't yeah. seen it either. Yeah. Uh, like the, I think it's at a 60 or 70 in Ronda Mita. It just seems, when movies are polarizing, I want to watch them. Whether or not I'm going to like them, that's not guaranteed. I mean, hate Mother too. Uh, but I, I love two of his films. Yeah, I love the rest of them. You and I come together on that. Like it, for for the most part, like, I mean, if you're seeing something new that you hadn't seen, I mean, even for the most part, if it's jar, if it's jarring, like that's cool because you haven't seen it before. Like you're bringing something new to the game. I mean, I gave Zack Snyder the benefit of the doubt for like two movies too long. So, <laughs> <laughs> and then he made Batman Dawn. Like he was already not good. Man of Steel was garbage. Watchmen. Like when the first time I watched Watchmen, I was 16. I was like, this is cool. And then the second time I watched it, I was like. I was wrong. Yeah, uh, and I've never rewatched 300, but I hear that doesn't hold up. I was, well, 300 is still pretty good. I, I there's oh. like a lot of like real like subtext stuff. Uh, Frank you know, Miller also I not I guess the best moral compass. <laughs> that, that's that's fair. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's to be to be fair. I think the last couple times I've watched 300, I've skipped the boring shit. <laughs> like, give me that battle, baby. And from what I hear, like, I think most of the credit should have gone to the action like choreographer because. He kind of dipped in Zack Snyder's never directed solid action ever again. Oh, and people okay. are like, it's cool in slow mo, and I and I think that's kind of the point is, yeah, but it's just slow mo. There's none of the actual like, the logistics of the action, like yeah. in 300, uh, what we talked about with just like yeah, this some directors don't notice how people move and feel and like what that looks like. Mm-hmm. It's one of those dumb small things. But even we talked about the Last of Us in the last episode, like that game, whether you like it or don't like it. It also it nails that stuff. Like people didn't move like real humans for the most part. It's a yeah. game, so there's going to be glitches. God, I love um, Yeah, I've only, I've, <laughs> I think I ran into two glitches so far. This movie decidedly not like the last. <laughs> there are no glitches in this movie. Uh, yeah, reading off or ranting off all of those Ornowski films, he seems to be a pretty pessimistic person. With the exception of this one, yeah, I think th- so, that's yeah. like I I don't get it. I don't get it all. He, he likes weird avant-garde stuff or see and it's, it's funny because even thinking about what I know about Black Swan is it seems like it attempts something similar in that it's trying to merge like a really like normal thing like ballet I mean it's not as normal as a hospital it's not as essential but it's like merging ballet with like actual weird fairy tale level shit right yeah, yeah. and so it's just odd that he supposedly nailed it. I mean, he got up for an Oscar nom that time. Like Everyone yeah. loved it. I'd be, I'd be fine with watching yeah. it. And then he didn't. I mean, no offense, he didn't nail it at all to me here. And I would, a lot of critics clearly agreed. Fans, audience scores are always hard to go by. Yeah, yeah. I, I am curious to wonder if everybody liked or the folks that did like it, if they liked it for the same reasons as me, if they liked the, the romance part of it. I'd say, again, the romance is probably the weakest part of it. I think that's kind of just... I gotta get one more one more mean joke up. Not in your extent, but I feel like it's a perfect semicircle between people that think this movie's deep and people that listen to the Joe Rogan podcast. That's very funny. Also... At least you owned it, Romeo. <laughs> you raised oh, his hand. That, that kills me, because I, I get 
the, the Rogan video. I watched one Rogan video on YouTube. Now you get a million wrecks. That is all I fucking get is Joe Rogan, whatever he thinks about this. And, and oh, yeah. And, oh, quick, before I forget this training thought, I just wanted, I had a quick note. I didn't write it actually down. I thought, okay, if you really like this, you might actually like Midsummer because most of my criticisms of Midsummer movie beloved by parts of the internet, um, Wisecrack, I, I watch all their videos. They they have a thing where they rated it deep as well. They like it, but it's like very messagey. Like this was this is what everything means. And I'm just sitting there going, well, the dialogue is not great. The characters are unlikable. Everybody dies too quickly. There was no actual suspense for me. I didn't like it at all. The people that like it like a lot of the symbolism and I guess the feeling as well. And like, oh, what we take from this. And I get the message. It's a good message. And I know I like what's his name. Um, and I'm forgetting the director of Hereditary Midsummer. Eggers. No, it's oh, not no, Eggers. Uh, um, Ari Aster. Yeah, Ari Aster. I like Ari Aster. He seems like a really smart dude. I just did not like Midsummer. So maybe you will like it because I'll give it a try, yeah, this sure. is heavy on the symbolism and the messaging and like, oh, it's about more than the sum of its parts. And to me, I'm very much a sum of its parts person. I want to see the work done on screen yeah. before you earn like a, a happy ending to me. I can so. understand that, yeah. So with that in mind, I mean, I don't have any, I'm not going to read off my notes. I just, I said I have to mention it. So I'm going to mention it again. But, uh, what was it exactly? Hugh Jackman in his weird ones. He looks like Dr. Evil meets Zordon. I'm going to reiterate that one more time. Get another Power Ranger reference off. With a ton of, uh, tattoos. Like a home tattoo kit with a calligraphy pen. It, it jumps back and forth between whether or not he has the tattoos. And some his skin is like clean and others is not. But he always had that. Nope. He jumps. Oh, that may be even a fourth theory, fourth ending. Oh gosh. Infinite, <laughs> infinite time loops. Damn another another no, definitely wiki, not a time loop. Another movie. wiki page just opened. <laughs> and Andy started it. Do you do you want to go first since uh Sneer and Deer, or do you want me to just rip off the band and you know, I'll, I'll go first. That that's fine. Um uh, so with this one, uh, uh it, it's not a perfect one. Like, like I said, it, it has problems with the dialogue, things like that, but I love cool visuals. Said that a million times. This one has a bunch of them for me, uh, uh, and the effects they hold up because there wasn't a lot of, of CGI necessarily, other other than the uh, uh, the bubble. And I just like thinking about this one over and over again. It was an eight point eight for me. A lot of yellow gets you, ladies and gentlemen. An eight point eight in Andy's book. <laughs> a lot of yellows, oranges, it's and a, a monkey with an exposed brain that gets an eight point eight. A three point nine for me. I was gonna give it a four, but I. I was probably fucked up, but I was like, I gotta take it down. Just you just like, don't want I, it to be better than Fast and Furious. I didn't even think of that angle. Yeah, I. What was your other four? See, I, it's okay. I like higher than I thought you were gonna get. I had it, way so, more fun with Fast and the Furious than this movie. I've just got to be honest. I couldn't wait for this movie to end. And Fast and the Furious, I was like, yeah, I can see. Yeah. Can we do round two? <laughs> I mean, just at face value alone, yeah, Fast and Furious. Like, if you're just the average person on the street, what's a better movie? Like, yeah, go watch Tokyo Drift. And normally, I'm on the. I'm definitely more on the pretentious end of that. Like. You know, go watch this instead. But this one doesn't I come said up go watch. I said go watch Arrival instead. And in this podcast, I said something pretentious <laughs> about it. But but here I am, like volunteering for the trash that is Tokyo Drift over this. <laughs> you can see this subconsciously, I knew better than Tokyo, but, but that's okay. Subconsciously, I knew. <laughs> that's okay. All right. Well, uh, yeah, let's in. let's lock this in. <sighs> what's that? What's that difference? That's a. Point nine, so that's a four point nine. That's a four point nine difference. It's like a six point so that's low sixes. Two point four five, so we'll just round up two point five difference minus yours. So that brings us to a six point three. Yeah, that's okay. 
I love it. Neither of us won that war. I feel like yeah, we, it's, it's definitely lower than you'd like. It's we can higher respect than I would each like. other's experience. This this was fun. You were, you took it in stride better than I thought you were. I thought you were going to be pretty salty. You know, I I if you came in with like a two or something, <laughs> I, I don't know what I would have said. Uh, I, I can't in good conscience rank any. Nothing we've seen so far is anywhere near worse than uh, Event Horizon or Black Snake Mode. <laughs> I was at Black Snake at two and a half. Yeah, I mean, those are both at two and a half. I'm offended by their existence. I can see why you don't like those ones. Yeah, but yeah, too much went in, went into this movie for it to be a two or so. But yeah, it, it's an eight, eight for me. Love it. And it's a it's a three point nine. Right in, maybe this will be our first email. Right in if you have your theory on the ending of the Fountain. Oh no, <laughs> oh, no. we're the Fountain Fanfic <laughs> Podcast. This is not what I wanted. But I am a grifter, and if that is what you guys want, then I give the people what they need. <laughs> but let us know. Uh, go ahead and email us at ArizonaMovieClub at gmail.com. That's azmovieclub at gmail.com. Or tweet us. Maybe I'll work on getting to Facebook this week. Eventually, we'll get you to, uh, when, when we've, me and Andy have talked about it, if you're unaware, we're most likely going to try, and once movies are back up and running, at least to some degree, we're going to try and go see those, get back to our regularly scheduled, what we wanted to do with this podcast. And then maybe at some point we'll get a Patreon. That'll be cool. Oh, yeah. uh, and, you know, we'll create – we want to work with people, tiers. Let us know what like what kind of incentives you guys would prefer or not prefer to see. We want to make money doing this. We really like doing it. We do it for free. Uh, I was worried we wouldn't actually do this 24 times for free, but here we are, <laughs> and I, I still feel like doing it. Summer of Sizzle, baby! Oh, yeah. Uh, next week we got Wally and Embrace of the Serpent. Andy finally – Can't wait. Andy got me. Can't wait. <laughs> Uh, do you have any spare thoughts before we tell the people why, Andy? Uh, by The Last of Us? I mean, I don't think they need any more promotion. But... <laughs> Podcast brought to you by Sony. <laughs> well, that's that's all for me. I don't have any spare thoughts. Thank you all so much. Again, we really appreciate it. Listen, like, rate, subscribe. Or if you're not going to do those things, please tell someone to listen to us because that also helps. Uh, word of mouth helps. And uh, we'll try and keep getting better at this. Being, I appreciate it so much. Have a great day, night, week, whatever. Thanks, guys.